listened to your interview with oh, um, the guy from uh, Prague. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And there were like these long his, his silences. His name's Han. Han. Han Kalina. And there'd be these long pauses. And yeah. I'm like, if I was on the phone with you, that's what I would sound like most of the time because I'm so visual uh-huh. that I'm picking up on cues that if I can't see i get that i don't know what i'm doing man i just did a a it's like being underwater i did a two and a half hour podcast yesterday over the phone with my friend in new york and the day before that i did a two hour podcast with somebody here in austin but over the phone and the day before that that i did a 90 minute podcast with a friend from mexico i listened to that one too. did you did you yeah that one's really special to me he's um well the guy who started to work out yes yeah, that I one's really to that special one. to me. Yeah. How mm. come? Because you haven't seen him in 10 years. I haven't seen him in 10 years. We, he was like my first best friend. Um, I grew up, I didn't have, I didn't have friends, you know? Like right now, before my daughter went to school, she, um, we have a, a neighbor that she goes to school with. Mm-hmm. And she's like, can I go to her house? And I'm like, you have to be invited. And, um, you, you know, I tell her, go to school and tell her to tell her dad to ask me if you can come over there or if she can come over here. She's welcome here anytime. You can invite her, but you can't just show up, right? <laughs> and and she has such a, I want to play, I want to play. And that was me too, except nobody wanted to play with me, you know? Why? Um, so I grew up in a predominantly Latino, Chicano, Hispanic, Mexican-American culture. A lot of brown faces. Where? Oh, yeah, in the valley. In, in South Texas. And this little butthole in South Texas called Donna, Texas. Mm-hmm. And before Google Maps, you couldn't find it on a map. And just, I didn't speak, like English is the second language over there. Mm-hmm. And I didn't speak Spanish, like really well, but I understood it. And so just bullies, you know, kids that were like, you look different than me, which is so weird since the color peach, as Fiona, <laughs> Fiona says, this is, I'm, the, I'm peach colored. That's what Alex used to tell me when really? she was little. That's so cute. Mommy, mommy or peach? What shade? What shade is that person? Oh, is really? what she would say. Not what color, but what shade of what shade of brown? Oh, I like that. Everybody's a shade of brown. Yeah. On some level. On some level. Some people just have more milk in their coffee. Right, that's right. Like me. And so just growing up, you know, I'm not going to say it's because I was light complected, but I think it had something to do with it. Like I was the black sheep of my family cuz I didn't speak Spanish even though like I said, it was every, English is everybody's second language. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just didn't, I don't know, I just wasn't cool enough. I just had too much milk in the coffee, I think. <laughs> and also, I was that kid. I mean, I grew up thinking I was an alien from outer space. Like, I convinced myself that I was. You know, if there was a cockroach or a frog in class, I'd be like, I'll get it. And I put it in a jar. And people were like, this guy's a freak. You know, Aww. just like child, just like, you know, yeah. Stephen King, Stand By Me shit. Just normal childhood thing. Yeah. Um, I developed, I'm sure, a lot of complexes, but like a lot of, you know, character traits as well. Like, you know, I think I'm not one of those helicopter parents that's like, you shouldn't bully your kids. Like, I think I think there's a healthy amount of, you know, it's got to do something to your immune system, you know, to go through a little bit of hazing like here and there, you know. I'm from not, your own parent? From, no, of course not. <laughs> but from, from school. <laughs> From school, you know, <laughs> girls used to pick I didn't know on who me. Who is bullying, bullying who in that scenario? Well, okay. gr- girls used to pick on me quite a bit, hmm. and uh, I remember this one girl. Her name's Jolyn. I think she got pregnant like in eighth grade, but it was my eighth grade. But I think it was like her third eighth grade. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, I'll never forget her, man. Like she put a maxi pad on my back. 
you know, and I remember just being like humiliated. And, and when you're a kid, that's like, thank God this was before social media. Cause that probably could have went viral or something. Right. But like, I remember just like plotting revenge against her. And then, but all I had to do was just go to ninth grade and I never saw her again. There you go. You know, she stayed in eighth grade. I for think so. Year. And, and I've tried to like Facebook her just to be like, fuck you. But, um, I don't know. I don't know yeah, what happened to her. Yeah. Fuck her. Yeah. She's a bully, man. <laughs> like I used to get like hardcore anxiety. Like, oh, I didn't want to go to, down the hallway because, you know, what if she's there? She's going to try to throw something at me and, and you can't hit a girl. Even though my mom would tell me it's cool. You should mm -hmm. just punch her in the face and she'll stop. Ma, I can't do it. I yeah. can't do it. But um, yeah. So this was one of your first friends. Serge was one of my first Surge. friends ever. Okay. Sedhill, Serge. And um, I used to live in a trailer park and nobody there wanted to hang out with me but then i my mom built a house in the middle of town next to like the fire department and the the police department just in and basically the donna town square hmm. and so it was very accessible and if you wanted to go to the local heb like you kind of had to be in my area and so serge lived in that area and then it was like we'd walk home from school together and we just became friends and we got so close but he wasn't an american citizen you know like so after high school he had to go back to Mexico, which was like a bummer. It was, it was yeah. really sad. So he came back in, in, in 2009 and hung out for maybe another two years, but then had to go back because, yeah. you know, it wasn't, it wasn't legal mm -hmm. to, to stay in America forever. And um, it's only been more strict since then, obviously. Um, really? Oh, of course. I mean, you would know. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, he was just, I mean, he's probably listening to this right now. And shout out to Serge. I, I uh -huh. love him dearly. Dearly, I'd do anything for that guy. And he taught me the value of friendship. Mm -hmm. Big time. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So without further ado, this is the podcast. This is what it is. <laughs> I like the way you segued it. Um, you're going to have to introduce yourself because your last name is very unique. And I okay. it's I don't want to butcher it. Uh, and trust me, I have a silent K in my name, so I know how it is. Right, right. I'm here with Erica. Erica, what's uh, can you tell me your full name, please? Yes, it's Erica Marku. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. And we met at a, at a podcast kind of networking event mm -hmm. last weekend and I saw you from across the room and I was just like this chick's for real I can tell you know and the question How could you tell the questions you were asking you know there were some people no disrespect to anybody because we all start off on the same in the same place but there were some people that were very green mm -hmm. and she's I could tell I didn't know your name yet but I was like she's asking questions that are already she's like on third base you know I could tell and which I think is funny because I just launched my show in September. And what's the name of your show? It's Your Truth Revealed. And what's it about? So it's about really where health and mental health come together. And in my opinion, there is no separation between your overall health and how happy or balanced you feel. Mm -hmm. And I've my big objective is to share with people as much as I can all this really cool information that's out there that we didn't even know 10 years ago, 20 years ago. I mean, there, there's just so much more information of really about how to be happy. And I mean, from the, the level of biochemistry. Is happiness sustainable? That's it. Well, so there's different <laughs> ways to look at it, right? Yeah. You can look at the physical and then you can also look at it from a philosophical perspective. Mm -hmm. And with the clients that I work with, I, I hope that I impart to them more knowledge about both because I think it's a balance of everything, right? You can't really, I mean, we can dive into one field or the other, but really it's, it's how does that all come together and is it balanced in the best right. way that it can be? 
Yeah. There's so many, there's so many factors. I mean, um, when it comes to happiness, there's, I guess, job security, there's physical Mm -hmm. health, there's how you, how you move, right? Your physiology. I mean, you can change your entire, um, state of mind. We'll just call it just with, just by doing 10 burpees. It's true. You know, like you might be, you might accept bad news better post 10 burpees as opposed to waking up out of bed right right. it's two different states of mind so i mean and and breathing so oh i'm a big i'm really into breathing big deal and you know most of us do it without thinking but imagine if you put your intention to it you can really change um the nervous system so belly breathing helps stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system which helps you relax so that's how you're breathing when you're asleep. If you look at your dog, mm-hmm. your dog is probably relaxed and belly breathing, you know, but mm. oftentimes people get stuck in chest breathing. So they have all sorts of tension in their neck and shoulders. I see this a lot with clients. Yeah. And they're also uh, anxious most of the time. Right. So and it's because they're, they're stimulating the sympathetic nervous system. And so it's causing that reaction without even knowing it. You you casually just mentioned your clients. So you're yeah. not, obviously you're not just a podcaster. No, I like to have my hands in lots of pots. So what do you do professionally? Professionally, so I've seen clients as a life coach and in and, and different capacities for 16 years. So I have a private practice where I work with um, people who have typically already had therapy. Yeah. Um, they have some level of self-awareness already. Mm. They're looking for someone who can kind of take them to the next level. So it's not remedial. It's not remedial. Okay. I don't. I don't think people would get what I'm trying to teach if they were just starting out. Mm. Um, a lot of it is is deep self-awareness, and when you teach someone that, I mean, it can be kind of rocky. How can you teach someone self-awareness? Hmm. Well, I do have a workbook, so it helps that they read the workbook and it's a very specific way that I work with clients. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is done in meditation. So we will talk about whatever issue someone's having, you know, I mean, whether it's marriage or a lot of people lately about job dissatisfaction where they want to feel satisfied. They want it to feel like it's coming from a deeper place, not just about making money. Yeah. Um, so what I do is I talk to them maybe for the first half hour and then for the the next half hour we go much much deeper. So I put them in a state of meditation. And we really look at specific ways that people are getting blocked. And and we get blocked by becoming overly attached typically to a negative thought or a self-limiting thought and an emotion that gets attached to that. Yeah. And what's interesting about it is that I kind of see it as like a form. What do you <laughs> this mean? This may sound really weird. No, no. What do you mean? <laughs> so I, I, I... Maybe you can give me an example. Yeah. So my, my master's degree is in somatic counseling psychology. Somatic means body. So okay. everything that I do relates back to the body. So it's not some abstract thing, mm-hmm. right? So if someone says, you know, what if, what if people won't like me? I hear that a lot. Okay, so where do you feel that thought in your body? I feel it in my chest. Okay, so Mm. let's really feel that. Is there an accompanying emotion with that? Oh, it's fear. Mm -hmm. Okay, 
So in the meditation, we'll breathe into that fear and that one specific thought and exhale and let it go. Mm -hmm. I don't know why it works, but across the board it does. And what will happen is they'll just feel, A, that they have addressed it, become aware of it, because you can't let go of something that you're not aware of. Mm -hmm. And once they become aware of it, they're able to say, hey, that doesn't serve me. Yeah. And what difference does it make? That's where I get them to a much deeper level with themselves. May I ask who you a cares? question? Yeah. Once you come to the the realization of who cares, you know, what how does this serve me? Is is that problem, for lack of a better word, solved? You know, sometimes I think we mentioned we mentioned I've I talked so. about this maybe generally at the podcast meetup. Um I went to go see a counselor who was probably like an, I don't know, like training or something, very green. Mm-hmm. And I just said, just give me the, the cheat sheet, cut straight right. to the spoilers and just tell me how do I fix myself. And then by my third session, my third week, I was like, I'm good. I feel great. And she was just like, you know, I, I don't think you're cured or anything, you know, like. Are we ever cured? That's my point is like, <laughs> if I, if I if I iron over an old association, I mean, I, I felt like I've buried these things and they, they come up, mm-hmm. they, they do come up. So it's like a constant progress. I feel like mm-hmm. we're, we're like machines in that we've got to change the oil constantly. You know, there is no, I fixed that. Right. right? And I, cause I don't think human beings, I don't think that we're fixable. I don't even see us that way. I view everyone's life with respect, um, that we all have the struggles that we have for a reason, that patterns keep showing up for a reason to, I think, to be more conscious of. Hmm. So I don't really see it as something to be fixed. I see it as we're all on this journey of being a human being together. Let's help each other. Yeah. And everybody has patterns that they get stuck in. And we could get real big with that and maybe even even came into this body with that pattern. I think so, right? Yeah. Aren't there some studies where people in utero, depending on the stresses of the mother, like can Mm -hmm. can develop some, um, uh, not patterns, but like there's something, there's like a passage, right? Of stress maybe? Oh, absolutely. Like if a woman is going through a divorce during the pregnancy. Absolutely. Is that baby going to come out anxious, do you think? Maybe. Because, you know, everything that that mom is experiencing gets transferred to that child. Yeah. So, yeah, if she's in a high anxious state, there is a propensity then for that baby once it's born to have that same kind of imprint. So, yeah. Yeah. I feel like um, I made a video a couple months ago that I was very scared to make. Um, but it was like a form of therapy for me. And this is like mm-hmm. a form of therapy, like all this. Um, I should probably... Your whole podcast. Yeah, the whole podcast. Yeah. But I made a video talking about, um, I think it was entitled something like, um, Why I've Never Killed Myself. And, and mm. it's sometimes like somebody will say something or something will happen and I'll get triggered. And my brain, and it's always done this, like since I was a child, like we'll just go to, fuck this, I'm out. It'll just be like, well, I don't even want to fucking be here. I don't Mm -hmm. want to to deal with this. And I have like maybe one person I can text and be like, do I feel like this right now? Like, Mm -hmm. and they're there for me. And it just helps to be like, I feel like this right now. Um, 
and I and I in the video I came up with six reasons why I never go through with it. Um, huh. And you know, I don't think that'll ever go away. And then there's like the aspiring life coach in me that's like, well, if you think that, then it never will kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like be well, be positive. I'm curious about the six reasons why yeah. you would not want to commit suicide. Okay, I, I had to write them down so yeah. I know them pretty well. Um, even though it sounds like a BuzzFeed article, right? <laughs> um, or like a metropolitan, cosmopolitan, cosmopolitan thing. But number one was, so I'm a Christian and, and it's, I don't want to go to hell. Even though I don't really believe in hell, but it's like, I don't even want to take, I can't do it. Like I can't, I can't, I can't, if there is a life everlasting, like I don't want to be punished for what could be a momentary thing, even if it's like 80 years mm-hmm. in my human life, it's still momentary in the grand scheme of things. So what about this idea of taking 110% responsibility and that punishment is just how you would feel if you did it? What do you mean? So not a punishment coming from something or someone else. You mean God? Yeah. Yeah. But your own experience of that so a part of me this is like tricky um that 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 that's not an incentive for me to not want to do it for okay. sure there's like a um, so there's an external punishment that may happen in your mind yeah I, I will say that like i'm not a i'm not afraid of the pain that would come from killing myself that's not enough for me to not want to do it it's more like the pain of what happens after you know right um if anything happens, like maybe nothing happens. I, I don't know. It's not up to me, but I don't even want to, I don't even want to, that's like the first line of defense that goes, that goes when I have those thoughts. And, and, and that's like a new one. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I just really became saved as a Christian a couple years ago. Um, another one and no order is, um, my family, of course, mm-hmm. like I, I would ruin my children's lives. I would ruin my lives. I would agree There's a part that. of me that this is fucked up. Maybe Claire won't hear this, but like a part <laughs> of me is like, you'll have to bear it, you know? You'll have to bear that. But my kids, however, is just so not fucking fair to them. Mm-mm. And I've just given them a reason to, to have an out. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to give them that reason. Um, I think the most like important distinction for one of the reasons why I won't go through with it is... I have to remind myself, which is hard, that it's the depression or whatever you want to call it, talking. The voice that wants me to do that, that's not my voice. And how do you distinguish the voice? And this is this is part of the work that I do with people. This is a good question. So there is a voice that says, I'm done. Yeah. I want out, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's another part of you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And the work that I do with people, it's it's based in yogic psychology which has been okay. around for thousands of years yeah which have you ever gone to india i have not oh I've man you'd to. probably dig it the most i probably dig it um but that there is an ego and it's not the same ego that maybe freud talked about right so the ego is just it's almost like a hab- habitual f- form that we've taken so mm-hmm. it's who we think we are 
Yeah, for based sure. on our conditioning, based on programming, social programming, programming, social programming, things that we've decided, hey, that's me. Yeah. Um, you know, and the fact that I'm female and white and whatever. It, I mean, the, the list goes on they're and on. They're all stories. Right? It's right. all story. Yeah. Exactly. So there's that. But yet there's such a bigger, important part of who we are. Yeah. And that's our being. So the human part is the ego and the being part is our, what I call our true self. Really? True self is that authentic, just this is who I am, mm-hmm. regardless of all those labels, regardless. Yeah. And it's who I was when I was born. Yeah. I'm still that same you mean like you, you mean like the clean slate? A pure slate. Okay. okay. I wouldn't say it's clean. I mean, it's... Well, that's what I mean. Like yeah. a blank slate, essentially. Pre-programmed just this i refer to that essence as like a ball of light yes essence i like that yeah so you know in any given moment what are you tuning into like if, if you were tuning into a radio station 99 percent of the time it's all ego it's all for you a hundred percent okay but there's part of you that's aware of that but that's one percent the other part is vastly overwhelming you know um i dropped acid do you ever i mean comfortable i don't know if you have you ever take have you ever taken lsd i did when i was younger of course i dropped acid in 2013 it was something i always wanted to try i have drug free tattooed to my knuckles i don't yes, it wasn't do. something i wanted to play with it was just like you know the pressure of like the beatles you know this is like a not a peer pressure thing but this is like a societal like well i want to take this drug maybe it'll make me a better artist right and and i think it did but what it did was i took it like at 10 p.m and i stayed up for like 24 hours mm-hmm. and uh i've never talked about this on the podcast but um i had i heard the voice i heard I, it was like a, a split like a split hair the two voices and i was like whoa this voice that i thought was me the entire time that's not me that's the ego and it it's trick. It's been tricking me this entire time. It only wants what it wants. And then there's the real me voice. Oh, there you are. I've missed you. Where have you been? This is like the real me. The one that's like unfuckwithable. The one that, you know, is virtually unaffected from trauma. You know, this is like a, a beautiful part of me. And it is in me. But the ego like wants to... F- forfeit that side just so it could be satiated yes i was like what? that's a beautiful way to put it what is this yeah and it's harmful too and so i think that had that helped i'm not saying i was born not born but i grew up hyper self-aware for sure for sure me but, too. but that helped like that helped me differentiate the two voices I, I, they would have been one and the same and i think for most people it is one and the same i would say congratulations well, that thanks. is a huge step forward because... Well, that sounds like an endorsement for drugs. No. I'm kidding. Well, I have a lot to say about that. <laughs> we can get into I, it. I do. I do. Well, so Ram Dass, mm-hmm. I don't... Do you know? Just passed away. Just passed away. Yeah. And I've had his book. What is it? Be Here Now. Okay. Is that it? That I feel sounds... really silly to not be able to remember that right that now. That sounds but correct. I, I read his preface and he really says that his life his whole life journey was in three sections Mm. the first section he grew up uh from what i could tell in a well educated well-to-do jewish family 
he was overly educated. He was teaching at Harvard and all the Ivy League schools and um, mm. on, I mean, it was psychology and it had more to do with uh, behavioralism, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he felt like he wasn't really connecting with the work and he wasn't connecting with his students. There had to be more, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Because he was becoming aware he's like he had all this money he had this prestige he had he had this but there was something Mm -hmm. that felt very empty about it is this the first section this is the first section of Uh his life and what does he call that academic i see i don't know he was just a high achiever in the western sense of the meaning Mm -hmm. then with timothy leary he started doing acid and doing it in a semi-controlled way, sure. had other students involved yeah. and all that. Very interesting. This is about a seven-year period, I believe. Wow. <coughs> so seven years he's doing this, loses his prestigious jobs in the process to mm. where he's only really traveling and giving talks about the what LSD can do for you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But what he talks about is that there's this high that he got, but it always come down. Of course. Right? Yeah. So because it's synthetic, it's, it's, um, you're putting something in your body mm-hmm. and the brain is changing the, its chemistry. Yeah. There are organic pathways, however. Right. Yeah. Which I've never, I've never dabbled in, but. So he got some insights, right? Mm-hmm. But it wasn't the full picture. That's why he calls it, I think, his second stage, because there was a third stage. And that third stage was when he actually went to India and he had a guru. Mm-hmm. And there was no medication. There was no right. There was no drugs, right? Mm-hmm. One, one of the parts, he says that he, he gave some of his LSD to the guru, mm-hmm. and the guru just laughed. I mean, it didn't do anything. And the way that he explains that. it is because that that his level of vibration or he was so high, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure, that it had no impact. It's like it's a game, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So there are all levels of consciousness, and there are all levels of awareness. That's right. And for me, mm-hmm. I can only speak to my experience. Yeah, I do not need drugs to get to that state. I have okay. been meditating since consistently since two thousand seven. What that's twelve years. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the interviews that I did was with, um, psychiatrist, Dr. Turnipseed, and he is one of the leading psychiatrists in Austin who does ketamine injections for depression. Mm -hmm. So, which is supposed to have a much higher rate than a lot of the SNRIs or SSRIs because the, sadly for depression, I think there's only like a 20% effectiveness rate or 30 percent it's pretty low and being able to treat it so he's an advocate clearly for ketamine mm-hmm. um and he's asked me if i would ever be interested in that and i said no i mean right. I've, I've been through that stage in my life and it was short-lived and i yeah. got what i needed but to me what i teach people and what i try to practice every day is really just becoming in line with my true self and letting the ego go well two things and i'm just playing devil's advocate here um is it the ego that's saying, I don't need to try that? I don't need to dabble in that? Mm-hmm. Um, or is that the true self? Can it's I answer sex- that question first? Uh, of course. I don't like to mess around with my body. And the reason being, I and I, I'm pretty open about this, I do have an anxiety disorder. Um, when Even when I'm not on anything, I can get pretty anxious. Mm-hmm. And so... I have to be very careful about mm-hmm. what I put into my body. Of course. So um, 
it would just probably put me in an anxiety state. I'm, I probably would have amazing realizations, but to me, it's not worth. I understand all that. This, uh, the, the, the margin of risk is just not worth it's it. I totally so get that. So not worth it for I me. I guess like I want to voice the opinion of, of people that are really into that, even though I'm not into that, you know, take something like psilocybin, which I think comes from mushrooms, you know, that's now being treated for the people that have PTSD and trauma and depression. And it's like, well, 30 years ago, maybe it wasn't in a, in a Western kind of context, mm -hmm. but now, but now it is. And I, you know, you can look at these things, people can look at these things and I don't want to get into the weeds here, but um, as, as something like mushrooms or cannabis, or like these technologies that are organic, you know, cause you mentioned the word synthetic with LSD, but then there's something like cannabis where I have smoked marijuana, sound like such a square, but, and it just made me extremely paranoid. Me too. But I think that's part of this, um, we'll call it a spell of social conditioning. And what marijuana does or did for me, once again, a subjective experience was heighten my awareness and so all those anxieties are completely there and valid because we live in a concrete jungle and yes, we do. for people that take an edible and they go on an airplane all of a sudden they're like oh my god i'm in a moving machine sitting in a in a seat in the sky <laughs> like this is trippy dude and that's like a that's reality though that's that that is reality and so there's something about going into that higher plane of existence if if you it's like taking a, a cruise if you go on a cruise thinking the ship's gonna sink you know you're gonna have a bad time you're gonna be anxious the same thing with marijuana like if you mm -hmm. if you smoke or whatever um or take an edible and you think you're gonna have a bad time you could and so that's almost a uh, self-fulfilling prophecy and there's mm -hmm. there's a conflict there right like a consciousness conflict where well how come i'm not letting like there are people that take it and then they become more lovable or like more positive and very like you know can i give you a hug mm -hmm. but but without it they're guarded and they're very like i would never give you a hug you know like and so there's some i feel like it could have a benefit on some brains um that maybe people don't even access self-awareness until they they try something like that for right. the first time you and know? that could be Right. And everybody's so different. Everybody is different. All of our biochemistry is different. I mean, we have different genetics. We've got different life paths. So what works for one person may not work for somebody else. And that's why I always say I can only speak to my experience. Are you a doctor? No. Okay. So I can't call you a doctor. I'm not one. What What is like the, the nomenclature here? There's none. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so I have are a you master's like some sort of degree. health practitioner? No, I have a master's degree in counseling psychology. Your counselor. And I cannot call myself a counselor. Okay. I am not licensed by the state of Texas because I yeah. don't want to be. Okay. But I'm a life coach. Okay, you're a life coach. But with a ton of experience. So. How, how do you... Because um, I look at it like it's it's got to be something like a almost like a not a fight but almost like grappling somehow where you gotta you gotta you know have you ever do you do yoga i'm a yoga teacher you're too. a yoga teacher too golly you do it all <laughs> um obviously you have to put pressure and resistance to get your muscles to do a certain thing and it takes time to do that mm -hmm. and i would say this and that's the body i would say the same thing is applied to human psychology and emotions mm -hmm. um so how do you bend people Oof, to certain silhouettes shapes and forms like in the, with emotionally how do you do that like when a person walks in 
how do you do that? Like what moves do you know to do with this person when they're coming in with completely different genetic makeup and you might not yep. know what that is. They're coming in with completely different patterns and baggage and trauma from childhood and blah, blah, blah. They might be coming in with, you know, um, food changes our, our chemistry, right? Like, yep. you know, some people might not have drank coffee that day they meet you. And so they're going to appear different and you're going to have a different assessment on them because they didn't have their caffeine that day or whatever. So how do you, like, how do you figure it out? Like, do, did you have, do you have people submit surveys or questionnaires? Like, how do you, how do you deduce someone into simple forms and you can, I don't want to say diagnose, but then you can treat them. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is they fill out about a five page form before I even meet them. Okay. Because I need all that information mm -hmm. it's very specific and it's broken down into the physical uh also uh emotional how can i take Basically, someone who walks into somebody? walks into my office mm -hmm. and with all these variabilities right? That's right one of the main questions that i ask them in the form is what do you want to accomplish in our work together because mm -hmm. that is key yeah, start that, with why. That is their motivation. What is their why? Yeah. Why did they even contact me in the first place? And my goal is to help them achieve that, mm -hmm. whatever it is, mm -hmm. right? So that's like my target. If you could imagine literally like playing darts, that's my aim. Mm -hmm. So I will keep coming back to that over and over again. And I think um, another part of my training where I started out in my late 20s was doing polarity therapy, which is based in Ayurvedic medicine from India and Chinese medicine from China. Um, Dr. Randolph Stone was an osteopath and he created this modality, this way of working with people. And so it's all about the energetic system of the body and finding blocks and being able to remove those blocks. I have carried that same philosophy throughout all my training in grad school, through my internships and through my private practice, mm -hmm. where that's still the mindset that I have whenever I'm sitting down with someone, they tell me what they want mm -hmm. and I'm looking for what's in the way. Mm -hmm. And typically it's an ego emotion, an ego thought, or maybe a culmination of both that's tied with a behavior. Mm-hmm. And once I find that, we go into meditation and we just look at it from an objective, mindful standpoint. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like looking at yourself. What's an example? It's like, like watching your, your life's movie and then doing some commentary on it. In a very, very, very now moment. So it's like mm -hmm. looking, I don't know how to describe it. It's like looking at, like I broke my finger and it's like saying, okay, we're gonna get into this meditative state and we're gonna look at the finger objectively and what does it need to heal? Mm -hmm. And it's very in the moment. We're not way out here. We're very, very, very specific and slow. Would you say it's more micro than it is macro? Yes. Mm. It's very, very focused. Mm. And with that, we're able to be with that ego construct yeah. in a very, mindful way and then be able to let it go yeah and typically what will happen is the person is like why was that even a thing like mm -hmm. that's so silly and the whole scheme of things right because yeah. they're connecting to that deeper part of themselves and i want to get back to the taking any kind of drug or taking mm -hmm. anything to get yourself high essentially yeah. right yeah 
I think the whole point of that is to get to a place where you remember who the hell you really are. Of course. And it's that ball of light. It's that energy. It's that is the source. It's the source. That's the most important thing. We are here as human beings having an experience of being a human being, but don't forget who you really are. Right. Because the, 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 the most unhappy people I've ever seen that I've worked with have completely forgotten that. The and word the word happiness is like I'm I'm almost cynical towards. Yeah, me too. Like it, I get it, it. it. It sends a signal to my brain that makes me go, happiness is not an um, a sustainable state necessarily. Like you can, I think, call it a home, but you do have to leave your home to go do things. You know, um, to go be a part of society and to contribute. Like you can't just live there, so to speak. I mean, maybe the monks and in um tunisia i don't know that's not right though wherever they're from um where are they from tibet tibet tunisia (laughs) um i think you made that one up i haven't traveled there so (laughs) tunisia exists but um, it's just a fucking desert okay uh so maybe all they think of is bliss 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 nirvana 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 you know maybe that works for them but um at the same time like they're trying to it's almost like they're trying to make an unnatural thing natural you know like Mm -hmm. to live in this state of happiness like and maybe we shouldn't use the word happy well that's a tricky thing maybe it's more in the way that i talk about it with clients it's more like a a feeling of connectedness because Mm -hmm. happy is an emotion emotions come and go yeah exactly um so maybe it's more of that sense of deep deep inner peace and connection yeah so back to your point that so uh, what what are monks trying to achieve? Mm-hmm. And you said that it's almost like an unnatural thing. Yeah, like if they're trying to, if it's a, if it requires so much effort, you know, it might be because it's not natural, mm-hmm. you know? It's like trying to achieve a perpetual state of orgasm. It's not, you know, it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. You know, it comes in bursts or whatever. Like you can't just live in a state of climax, you know, like happiness to me is just almost like a, a positive consequence, mm-hmm. you know, that comes from um, some sort of effort, you know, but we also have to eat and sleep and recharge. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, we have to put deposits in, in different aspects of our lives. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you a personal question. I, uh, I have a journal here and I, I don't want to pull out the words, but I, I articulated this, this entire trapping that has, for lack of a better word, fucked my life forever. And it's like, if I can just nuke this one problem, I feel like, oh man, like, let me tell you what, what I live for, what I, what I want to get out of life. If you had to ask me for a target, it would be, I want and this might be childish, so I'm saying it to a real adult. We'll see how we'll see how this because I've I've said this in my head forever. But let me get this Are out of my head. Are you calling me the real adult? Yeah, you're the real adult. <laughs> um, I'm so lucky and blessed and fortunate. Like you know, I got a good job right now. I got health insurance right now, and you know, I got a family that loves me and they support me. And like that's dope. That started out as a fantasy, you know, and now it's it's real and that's a dream come true. And like that's awesome. Um, for me personally, like I want, I believe in like the best that you can be, uh, the most optimized version of you. Uh, and I think that 
to me, it's not about the results. It's about waking up as that person, like that inner peace, but also waking up as like, it's a higher equilibrium as well. Mm-hmm. And I've seen, I've met people that they're, that they're there and it took decades for sure. And so if you look at it on a scale of one to a hundred, um, say I, I wrote a thesis in college, but I know that, and I got an A in it or whatever, however you get graded. But I know that, eh, I phoned it in. Oh, I have my heater on. Um, let's just say I knew that I phoned it in. I knew that. Um, what does that mean? Sorry. Let's just say on a scale of one to 10, like let's just say I woke up and I did it the night before, oh. as opposed to I put my blood, sweat, and tears in this thing. It's passionate. I left it all in, on the table or whatever, like all those euphemisms. Um, and so I got an A, but, it, but I knew I gave it, a, I put like, 30% of my effort in it. I've I've gone through most of my life putting 30% of my effort into mm-hmm. things. And therefore, I've developed, now that I'm going to be 32, on a long enough timeline, like I've developed a sense of guilt and shame from that of like, yeah, you have okay things, but you could have had better things and you could have even better things in the future, not like material. What's his name? Deepak Chopra talks about the superstition of materialism. I'm all, I'm all about that. Like I don't care about things per mm-hmm. se, but like... I like the feeling of waking up and, and knowing that I did a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm tired of half-assing my way through life. And I've always done that ever since I was a child. Like, phone it in. I would love to be... I, I would feel like this uh, this human experiment that I was lucky enough <laughs> to, to be able to play with. Um, I would feel like I maximized the human experience. Um if I if I got to at least touch operating at level one hundred, mm-hmm. and the truth is I'd settle for eighty, right? Me too. I'd settle for seventy percent. Me too. Full human optimization, whatever that is. I don't even know if it's achievable. That's the childish part. Is it childish? I don't know. Like it could be. It could be like I want to be Superman. I don't want to lift a car over my head, right? But I do want to be. I want to achieve like. And this might, maybe it's a male thing. I don't know. Like I want to achieve a sort of mastery, a personal mastery like that to me. So if I went into your office, I'd be like, how do I fully optimize myself? Like I want to be the best version of me that I could be. That means, and like, how do you not, you know, maybe it's not about perfection. Like, you know, your diet, does that mean I can't have a carb? You know, I need to know, like, I need to know what, I wish I had the blueprint, so to speak of like of this. So, so fully realized kind of person that it's all about what you want to create so part of all that in my experience because i have a lot of the same drive that you i would articulate it probably slightly differently but i have the same drive really that you just explained and i think that's just part of creation i just i think that's part of okay, cool, I've done this, or I've experienced this, or I'm at the certain level of my life, what's next? Yeah. Uh, could it could it be even more brilliant? Could it be better but, but, in But you some and I ways? both know, if we come from the same ilk, same tapestry, then you and I both know, well, of course it can. Right. Of course it can. Because I, and not like in a cocky way, but um, so I, like, I, I have to like speak from my truth. I made a movie in 2012 and I put like seven points of effort out of a hundred and it was like an okay success, but 
I look at that movie now and I'm like, it shows, mm -hmm. it shows. It, it's very, you could see the duct tape, you know, and um, you can see how it was put together. It's very shoddy. I want to make something that, like, I just want to be, like, how, surely, like, who's a hero of yours? Mm. Somebody that you look up to. That's hard. It, okay. I don't know. In my world, it's it's a very, like, you know, pop culture you know? Mm -hmm. um, in my world, it's like, somebody like a what's someone that's ubiquitous um i guess like i'll just say barack obama i okay. don't know he he was a pretty accomplished um <laughs> i don't want like the awards and i don't want to be president and stuff like that but like how can he how can i mean surely he can go to bed saying like i fucking i put it all on the line yeah um is that really what you want not to be president but no i mean to I, put it all on, on the line is that what is that a desire yeah because when you've achieved certain things and you know i wasn't even trying that's where the imposter syndrome comes comes mm -hmm. in and then you carry that with you wherever you go mm -hmm. you know and then that's where like self-resentment comes in and that's where bitterness comes in and all these Tony Robbins calls them disempowering emotions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and they all come in and then they feed off each other. And the ego is like, you know what? Have an Oreo, you know, forget about this, you know, and that's not a great place to be. So it's kind of like, and, and, and here's like the word I try to avoid, but it hurts. And so I know it's like the real one is like, it's a laziness though. Mm hmm. Oh boy. Oh yeah. I, I would say. And so like le see, lethargy, how I do we see, cure that? I see laziness all the time and I see clients come in and they say that I want, I want this thing. Okay. I'm going to do everything in my power to help you get it. Laziness. Holy moly. Can I get a journal and read something to you? Heck yeah. Because it hurts. This, it really hurts. Okay. Do we want you to hurt? Is that our goal here? I don't want to, I don't want to uh, be disingenuous. Okay. Might have to go to the potty, but I think I'll hold it. Are you good on time? I am. I don't really, I don't have anywhere I gotta be. Okay. Can I speak to laziness? I want you to. Okay. I see it all the time and it kind of drives me crazy because we get in our own way by disempowering ourselves and not coming up with enough energy or gumption i don't know what gumption, it is yeah. <laughs> it's like we lack that's why i'm always like what do you really 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 want not what oh that would be nice to of experience course. that or if you're if you're i don't fuck with nice to haves yeah because I fuck with this is what i want exactly and i kind of think about it this way and this is a, uh, maybe a metaphysical again it's too dark it's okay i yeah, can handle dark we'll get into it but um gravity is a thing yeah. right so yes. there is gravity. We feel that that force, that mm -hmm. pressure on our bodies all the time. That's right. And thank God we have it. Like it's grounding. I don't know where I'm going exactly with this idea, but if, you know, I guess if we were to be super lazy, we could just lay on the floor, mm -hmm. right? It takes energy. It takes motivation. It takes a why do I want to get off the floor and go and do something? Why do I want to be here as a human being? What do I want to get out of this experience? It's it not going to last it, forever. It, it takes a, 
an, a compelling reason. Yes. Yes. So what is your why? What is your reason? And, and I it think also has everyone to be, has to know it has that. to be compelling though. Exactly. It can't, I was just talking about this on another podcast. It can't just be, I really want to lose three pounds. That's not enough. You're not going to do it. It's not enough. Maybe you'll do it, but then. So what? That void, there'll be another void, right? Like yeah. it's a, it needs to be something in perpetuity, like it, it, yeah. a, a journey. Yeah. Um, I'm going to read something here and feel free to interrupt me anytime. And what would you like for, for me to listen for or to, why do you want to share it with me? I, I would have never shared this with anybody, <laughs> but it's like a, it's like a, honestly, and yeah. this is very, somebody that was at the podcast meetup, I won't out them, um, but somebody that was there had cancer and so literally had to had was dying you know like literally had cancer but you know they're they're fine now they removed it but cancer is nothing to fuck with fuck cancer right uh and so what i'm about to say i don't want to sound over dramatic but like this to me is like a disease though it's not a disease like cancer is a disease but it's an invisible disease you know um and so i want you to to be able to help me cut it out I want to cut it out. And I have to believe that, that you can. Because if I can't, uh, honestly, if I can't, like, I, I don't want to, like, I want off the ride. I want mm -hmm. off the ride. Mm -hmm. And I will, I just want off the ride. Like, mm -hmm. I, I don't want to, uh, okay, I got to just, okay, let me just read it. Um, okay. This is March 31st, 2016, 6.50 a.m. on a Thursday. I was walking early this morning, woke up in a lousy state due to the day before. I woke up yesterday, oh Jesus, I woke up yesterday, stay with me here, mm -hmm. I woke up yesterday, masturbated in the shower, and immediately ate a leftover Pizza Hut um, pizza slice for breakfast, came to work, didn't exercise because I woke up late, and ordered a chocolate frappe with four shots of espresso. Ooh. It spilled on my desk 10 minutes later. For lunch, I had... <laughs> This fucking hurts, man. For lunch, I had a 20-piece chicken nugget meal at McDonald's. Oh, God. This is, uh, we're not even in it. Instead of barbecue sauce uh, for the nuggets, I used a chocolate fudge sundae. Whoa. I bought candy later, and when I was at home, I went to Taqueria Morales and ordered a taco gigante, which means giant taco. Yes. With just fajita. And a baked potato, and a glass bottle of Mexican Coke. I went to the Donna Park and ate the meal by myself. I went home, had a cup of cookie crisp cereal, hung out with the kids, and fell asleep. Needless to say, I was in a lot of pain yesterday, running away from something, something serious. Mm. Super deep stuff. I've been ignoring my business, getting fat. I've been wanting to try to go to an open mic, but I've been too chicken shit. And this is all related. So like I said, I woke up in a lousy state, forced myself out of bed at 3.30 in the morning. See, I'm very extreme. It's either one or the other. Mm -hmm. I started walking behind my apartment, which I love. And it was around the third lap. It occurred to me, I haven't said my incantation out loud in a long time. And I thought that was interesting. So I decided to say it, not just say it, but yell it with as much energy as I normally do to put me into a positive state. And this was my incantation at the time. I now command my subconscious mind to give me the humor, the courage, the confidence, the creativity, everything it takes 
to make today the greatest, most powerful, meaningful, and significant and productive moment that it can possibly be so that the world and everybody around me can change the way that it sees itself for the better right now. And I would just scream that to myself so I'm gonna pause. over and over again. Reading that right now, what do you feel right now? Fucking phenomenal. Better. I do too. Better, yeah. I could feel it <laughs> up my spine. And I know. I'm like, it sounds very heady to people that, that haven't really Ooh, I like had it. something that was curated towards your 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 primary mission in life whatever that is but like when it is and you know what it is and you you move your body in a certain way and you say it and you breathe in a certain way and you and you you know ex exhale in a certain way like it does something to your brain and if you've if you've conditioned this incantation during states of mind that are like really really high like let's mm -hmm. say your your bpm is at a certain level or you know whatever it is like your brain creates these neurological pathways that that sort of remind you and take you back up to that right, state. Right. And that's something that can be conditioned, exercised. And um, it's, you know, so I, I reminded myself that and I, and I said it. And actually, to my sincere surprise, going back to the journal, just saying my incantation snapped me out of that lousy state. I cried. I was grateful for that power. I started asking myself some personal questions like, if I'm being honest with myself, what am I afraid of? What am I scared of? What don't I want to talk about? Those are questions that it's hard to get to. A, I mean, it's hard to get to a place where you have to, where you have to say, what am I scared to talk mm -hmm. about? That's that, that's that looking in the mirror shit. Mm -hmm. um, I was honest with myself, very honest, almost. No, definitely at the point of being ashamed of myself. So honest. The following are conclusions that I arrived at. And then in all caps, laziness. <laughs> <laughs> parenthetically obviously has been the great war of my life it's been my great depression the place that i retreat like a scared turtle laziness comes from fear an instinct at this point mm. Woo, getting some anxiety man um it's a survival instinct an auto response this mm -hmm. response the automated the automated state of approach avoidance has been conditioned and rehearsed my entire life mm -hmm. It's the reason everything has been so difficult for me. So what is laziness and how do I define laziness? Well, it's a state of paralysis, a state of emotional and thereby physiological, physiological collapse. It's a retreat, a safeguard to remain idle, to stay safe, safe from what? Well, pain, what kind of pain? Mm -hmm. The risk of exposure, mm -hmm. exposure. What do I mean by this? Look, I haven't read this in, since I wrote it. Look, first of all, at depression like this. Depression is hiding yourself from yourself. When I was four, my father abandoned my family, destroyed my mother emotionally and financially, took her years to recover. Sidebar, she filed for bankruptcy. She was so much stronger than I'll ever know. So I didn't have a male figure, a father, to teach me to go outside and force me out of my comfort zone. Sidebar, which I do with my son. Mm. I didn't have a father to teach me not to be lazy. As a matter of fact, quite the opposite. All he ever did was teach me how to be scared of abandonment. So I stayed home where I was safe and watched the real world pass me by at the expense of experience and emotional maturity. So this laziness plague comes from a place of positive intent. Yes, it is sabotaging myself, but my subconscious is trying to protect me and protect myself from harm but unfortunately for me and this is where i had a breakthrough this laziness plague spared me from the labor 
of hard work. Whew. This was something I didn't get to properly develop, learn, or earn. This is another virtue and value and lesson that could that should come directly from a father or male figure, at least for a male himself. My mom tried, yet she also enabled my couch potato mm. syndrome. Plus, as a child, teen, and young adult, she was rarely there. She couldn't teach me this labor properly because she was too busy being busy with working hard herself. Ironic. I don't blame her. She did try. As a result, I tried to be homeless to make it. I just suffered needlessly. Sidebar. So when I moved to Austin, I was I was homeless for six weeks, 42 mm -hmm. days. And until I, I got a job, I mentioned that to you. And yep. it, it was just a way to... I'm going to figure this out no matter what. I mean, like, like I also said at the podcast meetup, I, that's nothing I would never ask my son to do, but yeah. I, I, would, I did it because I didn't know any better. Without a father, I seeked a male role model and I seeked father figures and more so practically, uh, I can't read, I applied a DIY approach. Hence, the insurmountable attempts and trials and errors, which is basically when where this journal comes from, isn't it? I tried to teach myself that's hard. Some people never figure it out and suffer forever. Thank God for Tony Robbins, I wrote. Hmm. I was a big Tony Robbins kid. So look, when I was a kid, I'd get picked on, I would get bullied, I hated going out, I was socially anxious, and it was difficult to make friends, so I retreated and I became lazy eventually. But it does stem from a positive intent, self-preservation, which is the first law of nature. I retreated to books, movies, masturbation, DIY remedies, these later became burdens like excessive eating, shoplifting. I became a cinephile. But this is what led me to being a shut-in, a lazy couch potato, living vicariously through his imagination and his dreams. Mm. This became routine. This became my makeup. I became chicken shit. Flash forward to college. I've never said this out loud, this part in my life. Too much pain for me, too much anxiety and pressure. Plus, I was equipped with the developed sense of I wasn't equipped with a developed sense of pushing through with hard work, which is what college is all about. So I resorted to being held down and held back again by being lazy. Example, I would borrow, I don't know if I want to say this person's name, but maybe not. I would borrow my cousin's car to go to college, but then he would lend me his car and I would drive around. I would go someplace else and I would just sit down and wait out the clock and then I'd go back. Hmm. And I, highlight, I highlighted what I'm about to say next with the highlighter. And this is, uh, this is the hardest thing I've ever had to say out loud. This, is the, this right here is the hardest thing I've ever had to say out loud. I became a master at the illusion of activity. Mm. This is a byproduct of the plague of laziness, one of the side effects. I was taking and paying for those college classes because I know showed the remedial math class the semester before. I was taking remedial math because on my SAT, I just answered B on oh. everything, on the math part. Laziness leads to dumbass, inefficient decisions. These decisions ultimately lead to your destiny one way or the other, and they have. Look at my struggle now. Mm -hmm. I don't want to mention this. Well, I guess I will. I made a, my second feature film. Look more recently at The Seven Hands of God, which was my second feature film. Now, this morning on my walk, like I said, I was being very honest with myself. During the seven hands of God, I was scared shitless of many things. My producer, the endeavor. I was in a head-to-head -head battle with 20 years of conditioned responses begging me not to answer the phone. 
to not wake up, to sleep in, to be anxious, to not go outside because that's where the pain of hard work is. Those decisions, these lack of decisions, led me to the cause of my own suffering, suffering and I paid dearly for it. I lost eight thousand dollars on that movie, and I don't have a my uh, I don't have my own copy of it, so it's like it never happened. And this was uh, during the pregnancy of my of my daughter, and so it was just a very tough time. Yeah, I had a breakdown. I had a I had a I had a breakdown of my own um, around Thanksgiving, no less. Mm-mm. <laughs> <I had laughs> it's bre- all about Thanksgiving. <laughs> I had a break. Um, still, the greatest moments of my life. I like. I don't know. Still, the greatest moments of my life of my life I've also written about in this journal come from overcoming the voice in my head, overcoming this ailment, defeating the plague, and enjoying that process, waking up at 3 a.m. to prove to myself that I can work hard, that I'm not lazy, riding my bike to work to and from 32 miles round trip because you see I'm not lazy. I'm not afraid of hard work. It's easier to watch movies than it is to make them. And at the end of the day, mm-hmm. when I'm being honest with myself, I know that laziness isn't a plague that's just a story i tell myself a story i've told myself an excuse to be afraid a reason to give up to not work hard it's not my fault after all it wasn't my fault my father abandoned abandoned me and my family but after all didn't i decide that didn't i decide that didn't i make up that story well the meaning of it i also uh, highlighted this part laziness is a decision and i no longer accept that self-assigned self-assessed ailment disease handicap I accept the subversion of it and my destiny that comes with it. Can we pause right there? The, As you're the, writing the last, that, the last line is, that was my breakthrough. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that last part yeah. where you connected to your true self when you wrote that. Yeah. Yes. Do you see the difference? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. And so the, the illness or the plague, yeah. I think is true for every human being. Every human being just has their own version yeah. of what that is, right? Yes. So mine's not laziness. It's hypervigilance. It's mm-hmm. learning how to just be mm-hmm. without having to feel the pressure to do or create or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. So hmm. I think that's true to some degree for every single human being if they were really to be honest with themselves. And it's okay. And I think the whole point of it is to know our particular ego well so that we can come and make this, it's a perspective shift from that place of being compassionate for ourselves and being conscious and saying, okay, so this is the ego that I'm dealing with. And it's almost like, how can you love yourself through it? Exactly. And really, it's just an illusion anyway. Mm-hmm. It's a story. Yeah. And I loved how you said about your dad abandoning you. You created in your own mind what that meant for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's empowering in and of itself. I suppose. It's hard to see that. I know it's hard to see yeah. it, yeah. especially when you're in it, yeah. right? But to and me, it's hard to contrast it to somebody else's unique experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why... I don't know. I do think that it's it's so healing to share first with yourself what you're really going through and be able to have the courage to share it with somebody else because more than likely they'll relate. 
Yeah, I hope so. I just thought of something. Uh, something I mentioned on a podcast with my wife a couple of weeks ago was I have these recurring nightmares that I'm constantly trying to kill somebody that that doesn't want to die. Like I'm I'm trying to drown them like on the shore of a beach and they don't die. Or I keep stabbing somebody or hitting their head with a hammer and they they just keep moving and they don't die. And I'm and it's very frustrating. I've chopped up people's bodies and like thrown them on different sides of the town only to find their their missing limbs like in my garage oh, and it's like what's going on what is going on and claire her assessment was i think you're trying to cut off parts of yourself and at the time i was just like what i don't see that but it's like there's this part of myself this laziness that is like an enemy it's it's my nemesis you know and if i could like a tumor operate that and take mm-hmm. that out i fucking would and but it's not it's not um you could say it's built up in so far as I feel it in my chest. I feel it in my head. I feel it in my knees. Like I feel it. I could tell you where I feel it Yeah. and I could concentrate, but like you still have to deploy energy and light onto it to, to disintegrate it. Right. Um, but that's like, I, I, you know, the truth, the truth is like what Claire said about the dreams is that's my subconscious saying it's you. It's, it's not this body that you're trying to get rid of like it's it's you and you you really have to work on it every day or if you don't like it comes to a head mm-hmm. there's, so there's and also, it never comes at a, at the right time it comes right it's very inconvenient very inconvenient very inconvenient yeah I and when i say go- i want to kill myself yeah. it's fucking that yeah. it's that's the thing that i want to destroy not so, not me the dad not me the christian not me yeah. the the self-aware artist that you know has too much that that actually can admit that life is beautiful like it's it's this part of me that i despise that's so that's not just really to me. share with you uh, the many 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 people i've worked with and myself that i've worked with yeah there are always parts of us that we don't like right and it's the ego that we most don't like and and oftentimes when westerners start to do this type of work they think that it's about eradicating the ego or it's about killing it off or it's getting rid of this bad part of me Mm -hmm. i like to say this like let's say it's a really bright sunny day and you walk outside and you see your shadow that's all the ego really is it's a Mm -hmm. shadow and you can't eradicate a shadow it's it's you and Mm -hmm. it's just a part of being a human being Mm -hmm. the human part is messy it's disorganized it's it can be extremely negative it can be traumatic Mm -hmm. it can be painful all these human parts are it's not a fun ride i don't think that being a human being is intended to be a fun ride i mean there are there are nice parts to it but it is work it's hostile world it can be very hostile yeah I mean, just being on this rock that's spinning down the galaxy, that's hostile. You yeah. Know? Like it's We're complete. busy killing each other and, and not treating each other well. And I, I remember when my daughter was born, one of my first thoughts when she came out of like the sack or whatever uh, was thinking like, oh shit, the light. Oh man, the air is it like, what's the temperature right now? Like I remember just thinking like, you were fine. You know, when you were in the belly, you were fine. It was ideal. And now, fuck, all these things are happening to you, mm-hmm. at you, very mm-hmm. abrasively, you know. And mm-hmm. I felt like I just wanted to be the shade for this child, you know. But, like, that's the that's the hostility of the world anyways that I wanted to highlight. But, right. yeah, that's what I meant. Just being on the planet, you know, this ecosystem is there's shit that's out to get us. I went to the store 
yesterday with my daughter and we were walking down the parking lot to my car and she was like, I'm going to hold your hand forever, Papa, because I don't want anybody to take me. And I was just like, damn right. Um, (laughs) 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 Yeah. You know, just like, yeah, exactly that, that right there, you know, but we also have to, you know, um, I, I didn't have that figure, you know, and, and I'm very grateful to be that figure for the kids. Good. But I certainly didn't have that. And like being a very, it's like a genetic thing. Um, I, I I was one of those kids that just needed a little, not, I don't want to even say extra attention, just attention. I just needed some attention. Like my mm-hmm. mom never sat down on the floor with me and looked at me and said, are you good? Like she never did that, you know? And uh, that's not her fault. That's not. And her parents never did that for her either, I'm mm-hmm. sure, you know? Um, but I just was like a very... Um, just needed, just needed some love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We all do. Yeah, we all do. We all That's do. my point. You're like, yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to piggyback on you sharing what you shared, which I, I appreciate that. Oh yeah. Um, my pleasure. You're welcome. <laughs> my pleasure. You're welcome for my service. <laughs> but it takes a lot of bravery to be able to share that. Yeah. And, and one of the reasons like I haven't shared necessarily the why for my show for my video podcast yeah i haven't done that yet but okay, i'm I would, glad i haven't I, said anything then what do you mean just anything revolving around like Thanksgiving. well i could say it now okay i'm i feel like you shared i can share okay yeah the law of reciprocity the law of reciprocity so yeah i mean like i said i've got a delicate nervous system and that's probably why I got attracted to meditation and to yoga. I mean, I started doing yoga at 18 and just a lot of self-care that I've had to exercise, like way more than what I've seen with my peers or family members or, you know, I just, the slightest thing will just kind of throw me off. Mm-hmm. So, but here I built a whole career around it, right? About helping others how to find more balance and, and all this. Because we had, um, my business partner and I had written a book and we were doing a bunch of events and workshops and I was like, I got it, you know, I get this thing. So, but naturally, like around June or July of 2017, I just stopped sleeping and it was a gradual thing, but it ended up being like uh, my Thanksgiving break, yes, Uh, and that was 2017 where I just literally was not sleeping. And I was going to all sorts of doctors. I was seeing a counselor. I was uh, doing all these alternative things too and testing stuff like crazy to try to figure out what the fuck was going on. It was terrifying. And um, I couldn't see clients anymore. I couldn't drive more than 10 minutes. I mean, I was just completely uh, out of it. But like in this very like intense state. But I mean, that's sleep deprivation too. I mean, that mm-hmm. will do it to you. I've gone eight days without sleeping. Yeah, it sucks. I felt it? like I got brain damage. Oh, I think I think yeah. I yeah. I yeah. was just trying to function, right? But mm-hmm. I had no idea what was going on. Started seeing shit like it was terrible. I didn't get to that point. I remember driving, thinking I was going the speed limit. I was going fifty miles an hour, and I saw like m- moose to the right of me wow like reindeer yeah they weren't fucking there yeah it's you start to there's no way (laughs) yeah the importance of sleep right oh like it is extremely important so i ended up in the hospital would have figured i know and they diagnosed me with insomnia i'm like yeah okay what i didn't understand was that it was neurological it was my neurochemistry that had gone haywire Hmm. all on its own 
naturally just activated out of the blue yeah wow so um there is a history of mental illness in my family so you know and when we really look at that a lot of people don't really understand what mental illness is it's just like any other health issue mm-hmm. it's the exact same thing it's brain health it's the nervous system it's just a different system right like if you're looking at you have kidney issues mm-hmm. okay so that's the i can't remember what system that is but it's it's just a part of the body that mm-hmm. just can go out of whack that's right so i um was actually in outpatient for two weeks and i did that on purpose i wanted to be supervised i wanted the psychiatrist to be there i wanted a nurse to be there because i felt like it was dying i mean i don't know how else to describe it because nothing was making sense so finally when i started getting enough sleep i I would say like about a month in um because i was taking a sleeping medication and an anti-anxiety things were starting to come back right and i'm like holy shit what was that yeah and I ended my business and it was one of those moments, a lot of what you've been describing, it was kind of like, okay, now's the time. I don't know what that means in the whole cosmic sense, but it's like, okay, you've had this experience. You have, you have to share this with people. Mm-hmm. You have to start. Do you think that's a form of like self care as well? Like maybe. maybe therapy in a way, like sort of, um, cleaning out the closet or something maybe i don't know but i feel it's, it's, it's got to be as much motivated it's got to be as much for you as it is for others yeah or else i don't know how, why you would do it i don't know I, i'm i'm a little peculiar that way I, I i guess i've always been someone like if i learn something it's just an enthusiasm <laughs> yeah a natural enthusiasm if i learn something i want to tell somebody yeah look what i learned or this might help you it's just my instinct i don't i don't know where that comes from yeah it's a, just a it's a it's a home for you it's a home yeah and i enjoy it when people learn something and share it with me and i'm like okay great yeah i guess it's a tribal sense or something like could be. wanting to build my community of, of stronger people like let's not all go through the same hell Right. Like if one of us could go through it and then teach other people like how to not go through that. Do you feel like your episode um, is more of a warning or an example? Oh, it's more of a self-discovery. Mm. Because what I ended up doing, I decided that A, I wanted to write a book about this experience and, and about the knowledge that I've accumulated I reverse engineered that and I was like, well, I want to interview a bunch of people, a bunch of experts, and I want to be able to share that experience while I'm writing the book. So mm-hmm. why not, you know, like interview these people publicly yeah. on a show? You, so should, you should do a podcast. I should do a video podcast because I like the video aspect too. Yeah. So really the people that I ended up interviewing for the first season, so that's still coming out right now but i did it a year ahead of time because that's my personality but um <laughs> i love that <laughs> like love the opposite that. of lazy i'm like chill out yeah Erica. easier said than done i respect that that's the way to do it yeah it's, it's i told you this at the meetup like yes. all the if i had to write down a list like you've already got like nine out of ten of those things yes. thank can. you good yeah, for sure um so i interview the people that helped me like that helped me heal and get more of an understanding of what happened to me, why it happened, how I can make adjustments to mainly um, 
with supplements and medication, how I can help myself just be healthier Mm -hmm. so that that doesn't happen again. Um, and these are lifestyle changes that I will do until I die. Um, it's just a done deal. There's no going back. There's absolutely no. Reading that almost reminded me, I almost, I guess I just kind of, you get, you get caught up in shit, you know, like life happens, you get caught up and then I'm very big on, um, I got to just get to the next thing. Mm -hmm. I got to, okay, okay. I will kill myself now, but then I got to get to the next thing. If I could just get there, I'll, I'll reassess. And then sometimes you never do Mm -hmm. that. That was four years ago. Mm-hmm. That was four years ago, you know. Um, so it's it's good to remember. Um, and I forgot my nemesis, you know. I externalize it into other things, and I project it onto other people. Mm-hmm. You know how people say, like, you could never say something to me that I haven't already said to myself that would hurt my that would hurt mm. me. And I felt that way. Like, if someone tries to hurt me, it's like, man, I, trust me. Well, I've said some even more fucked up shit about myself. Um, and I think that what I read was very true of that, but I think we're doing amazing, amazing work. And I couldn't have had this conversation with anybody else. Mm. So this is you, this is your, this is your aura that you brought to the table. And, um, part of my, I'm not really good at faking it. Like I'm not really good at, I'm terrible at (laughs) You see what I'm saying? Like I, I, I can't fake it. I'm the worst liar in the, well, I don't lie. I, you know, me neither. I try not to. I just can't and i come across i'm, I'm that guy really... let me just put it all out there <laughs> i'm i don't even want to fake it like it's just easier to be honest yeah you know um, and i and i have found out a long time ago the people who can't hang with that are just not my people and that's okay yeah like I, don't take this the wrong way but that comes with age that comes yeah. with age you know when you're in your in your teens and in your 20s like you're searching for your tribe you're searching for your mm-hmm. people and you think it's the protestants and you think it's you know these ballet dancers or whomever you think it's these people in college and you keep finding out more and more and more who you are as you're unlearning things that you because you spend your first half of life learning spend the second half unlearning these things and so therefore you find these people that end up being what you just described as like man if you can't hang at this transparent level like what are we doing here yeah i don't know i mean it's just foreplay it's not even real well and for me i'd rather be alone because i'm an introvert so oh heck yeah wow I call myself a, an antisocial extrovert. An antisocial extrovert. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's hard. Yeah. It's hard for me to go out and go. It's hard for me. It's so hard. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you, I have to believe it's like practice. Well, also, again, it's just where do you get your energy? Where do you get your energy? Internally. I mean, that's why meditation is so easy for me. For really? someone who's an extrovert, yeah. sitting by themselves and listening to their ego thoughts. Does and that doing charge all that? your battery? Yeah. I see. Oh, yeah. I have to, I don't want to say feed off people like a vampire. That's negative. But I, I do like being, like this right here charges my battery. Yeah. Completely. Well, it does me too because it's the topic. It's the, yeah. you know, it's just, just my my gig. So what what have you done, <laughs> talking about your Thanksgiving break, I want, yes. to, clo- I want to close that loop respectfully. Yes. Like what have you done to... <sighs> to better yourself? Have you, has your diet changed? Has your sleep regimen changed? Has your, have you... Um, I don't know, try to subtract anxieties and stresses, needless things. Yes. So, I mean, honestly, if you look what I've done, it's not a huge difference from what I was doing before the Thanksgiving break. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say the biggest thing is the medication and really understanding that I need it and that there's absolutely... What is it doing? I'll tell you. So it's 
there's no, I just have to put this out there. There is absolutely no reason to be ashamed of any kind of mental illness, period. That's just bullshit. Second of all, if you need medication, take it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, and I, there was still some, a little bit of, not shame, but I'm like, oh my God, I'm not perfect. Well, yeah, who who in the world is perfect? Who has the, the perfect physical? Beyonce? Me? I don't know. She might <laughs> need to take supplements. I want to know. I don't know. Just how much of a wreck she is. Right. <laughs> She has to. She has to be coping so, with something. One of the biggest things that I did was I went and got a food allergy test done. Mm. It, it didn't show me anything that I didn't already know, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sensitive. I have a food sensitivity to dairy and to eggs. Okay, so don't eat a ton of that, right? The other thing was, which was really, really cool, was I got my neurotransmitter levels tested, and that was who I, I interviewed, Pam Makamel Helmley. I need to do that. It was freaking awesome. And even though I took that to my psychiatrist, he said, well, I don't know if those if that's really that accurate. I don't really care. I just went with the information anyway. So I got tested before I got on medication. My, my norepinephrine. Which you should. Yeah. You totally should. Most people don't, though. Most people don't. Right. But I tested my norepinephrine and epinephrine levels. And I tested, well, all of them. Those were out of whack, off the chart, bad serotonin i mean completely depleted of serotonin so no wonder i felt like crap okay what what, okay can you tell my listeners and i i get dopamine and serotonin confused what is serotonin very different i bet i mean but i mean i i didn't go to college golly oh serotonin (laughs) well dopamine is the happy (laughs) dopamine is the happy drug is that good when you eat chocolate and you go mmm that feels good. good yeah sure it keeps you motivated because you know what millennials are doing now going on dopamine cleanses dopamine detoxes well, i don't know about what do you all think that? about all that is i that... don't let me, i'll have to stay with what i was sharing first okay. and serotonin serotonin all i know is that when your serotonin is is low like my critically low like mine was you're gonna feel anxious period mm. so you take the food that you eat your body basically turns that into serotonin, okay? Serotonin is living between the synapses in your brain and in your gut from what I, well, it, serotonin, there's more serotonin in your gut than there is your brain. I'm not explaining this very well. Oh. But anyway, what happens from what I understand are these little synapses, right? So you've got the serotonin that's hanging out between, between the synapses. Mm-hmm. And if there's not enough available, you can feel like, what I was feeling like. Mm. So with the serotonin reuptake inhibitor, I feel like I'm doing a really bad job explaining this. That's okay. It will block it from being absorbed so that there is more serotonin in the, in the synapses. I see. So it's just about, it's all biochemistry. For sure. It's all. And, and it's genetics. Neural neural Yes. Yes. And it's genetics. So my particular body does not handle serotonin very well. Mm. It just, and that, and so that's what causes the anxiety is a um, symptom. Mm. Wow. So if we look at it that way, it's not a character flaw. It's not a character flaw. And I'm not a scared person. I really am not. I'm pretty like whatever. Yeah. All is well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not, I don't shy away from whatever. I can tell. But I had a tremendous amount of anxiety. So there's a difference. It was a physiological experience that I was having. Very interesting. Yeah, it's not 
one of the most um, popularized in, in media and characterized anxieties out there, like almost an onset, you know, uh, and it, instead it, it activated. Usually I think the ones that are glorified in media, which is my background, are, are like the, the post-traumatic stresses and things like that, you know. So PTSD. PTSD and like... Um, childhood trauma and like all that law and order SVU stuff of like, that's anxiety. Like people look at it that way, you know, but there's, there's more, I don't want to say passive, but there's just more, uh, seemingly invisible, unarticulated, um, nebulous forms of anxiety that sort of just, like you said, are genetic that, that, that activate and come out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And, um, I would have never, I mean, like I said, it's invisible. I would have never known Mm -hmm. where it came from, but I would have assumed the latter, I would have assumed, oh, something happened, you know, not so much that everyone it's in your that. DNA. What, hap- what happened to you? Nothing happened to me. Yeah, I believe that. I didn't take anything. I was very healthy. Of course. It just went, right? It, it happens, you know, it happens yeah. with depression as well, where, you know, one day it's like, oh, I can't get out of bed. I don't know why. And yeah. then you lose six months and you're like, what happened? Just like, just And like you. sometimes, you know, honestly, when, when, when depression and anxiety show up sometimes it is a phys- a physical ailment and mm-hmm. i'm not even talking about neurotransmitters right because mm-hmm. um something may be really off so yeah. that's why I, you know if something feels off go to the doctor and get a physical yeah it yeah, may be I, this, something this is, else this is like i need to emphasize this with men especially yes with men especially because we don't it's just not it's just like be a man that's our diagnosis. My husband Dr- used to be some, that way. Drink some seven up, put yeah. some, put some Vicks on it. Yeah. <laughs> so my husband used to be that way until yeah. I was begging him the night that I went to the hospital to take me to the hospital and he wouldn't do it. Wow. So I called my mom who drove all the way from Wimberley 45 minutes to pick me up mm-hmm. and take me to the hospital. And she was like, what the heck? Well, first of all, I think he's in denial. Second of all, hmm. he had a bunch of anxiety that he wasn't looking at. Of course. And when I started going through this whole process, he's like, wait a second, I'm a little OCD. I have a lot of social anxiety. He yeah. started treating it. And I swear it's like living with a different, not completely a different person, but it's a hell of a lot more fun than it used to be. Really? Oh, yeah. Because I'll be like, hey, let's go to this party and I'll actually go with me oh. instead. Of- <laughs> did, did he uh, get some work done? He he did the same stuff that I did. So he got his neurotransmitters tested, kind of similar to mine, what, not nearly what do as bad. They, how do they test that? I you know Is it like a cotton swab? I did so many tests at this point and I was so sleep deprived. This I think it was But this isn't something peeing. Oh peeing. And then urine. and then also they can Toxology. check your cortisol. Well I don't know. See, I, don't know. I tried to use a big word. I don't know. <laughs> I'm like <laughs> And then the other one is the cortisol test which is your stress hormone right mm. and they did that through your saliva mm. i'm gonna try to extricatory do it. i need to do it i just feel like i'd let the data do the talking well if you listen to my podcast three episodes three and four you get a discount because they give the code nice and they get to learn about what the heck you're and tell me again the name of your podcast uh your truth revealed and how can i find it anywhere were they spotify apple itunes on um youtube right now but it's under my name it's on all the things erica marku it's everywhere um man i'm so proud of you thank you for coming out here and doing this podcast this was a crazy one was it a crazy one i thought it was crazy yeah i thought it was a total crazy one yeah and i'm really happy that that 
that we were able to do this. And uh, if there's anything I can do for you, you know, to help you with your show or if you, you know, I'd love to like maybe collaborate on collaborate something. or put, you know, help you out with the guest because, you know, I'm, I'm in the, um, uh, in the military scene. And so I, oh. I meet all kinds of neurodiverse people that come from all different places and maybe someone can, can relate to you. And, you know, I, if it could help for the book, you know, that'd be awesome. Mm -hmm. What's the book going to be called? I don't know yet. You're still thinking about it? It might just be it? your truth revealed. Oh, <laughs> I like it. It's writing itself. Yeah. I think it is writing itself. Well, that is awesome. Yeah. Erica, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, I so appreciate it. I've loved it. My pleasure. Yeah. Take care. All right.